Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Seat at the Table. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, lead editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace, featuring thoughtful conversations and insight from experts, change makers, and leaders from the business world. For today's episode, I am pleased to be joined by Catherine Minshew, CEO and co-founder of job search and career advice site, The Muse. She was also recently a guest on our Pages of HR podcast, where we had a lovely conversation about her book, The New Rules of Work, The Modern Playbook to Navigating Your Career. We will also have that link in this post on our website, so please be sure to listen to that after this. Catherine, it's great to virtually see you again. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's just dive right into it, shall we? Let's do What is your definition of having a seat at the table? Oh, I think my definition of having a seat at the table is being part of the conversations that matter. Having the chance to share your opinion and be listened to respectfully by others. Um, Have the chance to be there when other people are explaining their perspectives about the decisions that matter and to ask questions, to challenge, to agree, to disagree. Um, I think that, um, you know, we'd all love to be able to call all the shots, but sometimes just being in the room and being respected as a key decision maker in the room is also a a really part of the equation. Absolutely. I love that. We talk a lot about inclusivity, right? And And belonging. And we know that that's a big part of having a seat at the table and obviously just uh, being a part of our culture. How can HR leaders and organizations rework their company culture to make it more inclusive and foster belonging? Well, I think that that is, first of all, something that every HR leader should be thinking about right now, because the command and control top-down hierarchies of the old way of doing things in the business world aren't working for most people anymore. And outside of a very few industries where those sort of rigid lines and hierarchies may still matter, most people want to be part of organizations that listen to them, that are respectful, that have more of a constellation approach versus a pyramid approach, to quote uh, a book I read recently called The Power of Giving Away Power, which, uh, which I loved. And you know, I think for HR leaders that want to move in this direction, first of all, you can start by listening. You can think about what are different pathways for me to listen to my employees, my team, my peers and colleagues? And how can I also make sure that those pathways are open for different types of feedback and different types of conversations? So for example, certain conversations may be best suited to one-on-one dialogues. Other topics might be best covered in small focus groups where individuals can build off each other and agree or disagree. There may be other topics where things like an anonymous survey are useful so that you can hear from quieter members of the organization who might not feel as comfortable sharing some of their perspectives face-to-face. I think that based on your organization's size and structure, uh, HR leaders today should take a lot of different approaches to listening to make sure that they're hearing as both uh, kind of broad and deep of a set of perspectives as possible. And then I think you need to show people that you're actually gonna take action based on what you heard. Now, some people think, well, if my employees raise a bunch of issues and I can't fix them all, that's failure. And maybe it would be better to not have heard them at all. I can promise you for most people, that's not the case. In fact, what I'm seeing, and and you know, I mean, the Muse has 
six to eight million users per month um, across ages, across genders, across race, ethnicity, background, et cetera. And um, so we're talking to employees, candidates, job seekers all the time. And, you know, I think people want to feel heard and they want to feel that action is being taken, but it does not have to be on everything. People also understand there's no such thing as a perfect company or a perfect company culture. And so one thing that a lot of leaders I admire are doing well is they're listening to everything. They're making it clear that there's no penalty for raising a challenge or a frustration. And then they're going back to folks and they're saying, here's what I heard. And here are the top three issues that I'm going to take action on or the two things that we're going to spend the next quarter focused on. Now, again, this, this is helpful because you're not saying everything is going to be perfect at the end, but you are saying these are the most important areas and here's what I'm going to do about it. Absolutely. And then who doesn't want to hear those words or that phrase, if you will, that's amazing. Yeah, it builds so much trust and respect. And I think, you know, people are more likely to go that extra mile for an organization that they think is responsive, is respectful, is listening. Um, people are, are, are willing to work on problems together when they feel like others in the room also acknowledge, frankly, acknowledge the problem and want to work on it too. So it's not about this idea that, you know, if you open the Pandora's box of employee, uh, you know, challenges, questions, concerns, et cetera, that, uh, that, that you have to address every single, single thing. But, you know, just think about it in any relationship. If someone has a challenge or a problem, you want to listen, you want to really understand. And then, you know, you want to think about where can I do things differently? Where can I be better? And I think it's often um, just really impactful to try and address, you know, a few things at a time. If you address them, they get better. You can tackle the next things on the list. Um, but that that incremental progress can be really powerful for an organization. Absolutely. Beautifully said, Catherine. And, and also, it's, it's not just about, like you just said, they feel heard, but I'd argue that they also feel seen as well, which of course is having a seat at the table because they've said something, right? To which you've acknowledged, you've heard, now you're taking action and you're addressing, there's that trust that you were talking about. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think it, it you know, the same principles are really helpful for how you attract people to your organization as well. Um, you know, a lot of the work that the Muse does is in recruiting. It's helping to connect people to the jobs, companies, and career paths that align with their values, their needs, their priorities. And again, one of the things we see is, you know, top candidates have a lot of options today and they're asking companies, what are the best and worst things about working here? What is your culture like? What's the employee experience? And I can tell you that the, the really thoughtful ones don't just want to hear everything's amazing. We're so innovative. We're the best. You know, they want to hear that you have an understanding of the reality which includes some pros and cons. And they often want to hear that you're really thoughtfully addressing um, or working on things. And so, again, I think it can be so powerful in your employer branding and recruitment marketing materials, as well as in interviews and offer conversations with candidates to you know, really be transparent about some of these elements and to empower your recruiters and your hiring managers to be transparent as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, but you mentioned not too long ago that, of course, I'll just say simply, it's an employee's market. We know that COVID has forced a lot of changes, including a revamp of culture and the way we work as well as how we work and when. How are these changes 
for you, what you're seeing, uh, being so close to this uh, pool, how are these changes impacting the workforce? Well, I think COVID made a lot of people realize that life is short. And so the pandemic has heightened many individuals' sense of what matters to them most. And, you know, people always come to me looking for a silver bullet. They're like, Catherine, what does the muse say is the one thing I need to do to attract great talent or the one change I need to make to keep my employees? But the reality is that that is too simplistic for most people because people are different. They want different things. They care about different things. And so the workplace is becoming more personalized. We see this in remote work where some people want to go back into an office. Some people want to be fully remote or distributed. And many people want to be hybrid. Uh, but within hybrid, of course, there are a tremendous amount of preferences. Some people want to work Mondays. Some people want to leave early on Wednesdays. You know, Other people can't imagine being in an office on Friday. There's all sorts of variety, which is where I think listening um, and being responsive to your employees come in. So you can try and craft policies that work for a lot of people. Um, I'm also just, again, really encouraging employers to embrace flexibility, particularly for roles that can be done flexibly. Now, granted, there are certain, uh, certain roles, certain activities that need to be done at certain times or in certain locations. And I think that, um, you know, that, that as, as an HR leader, as an employer, um, really just being clear on which things need to be done when and which things can be more flexible. Um, we're seeing a lot of employers implement variations on the work week, um, four-day work weeks, summer Fridays. You know, there's a huge trend right now of uh, flexibility in the workplace, and it is partially driven by the great resignation as well. Employers are, you know, really trying to keep the people that they have engaged and happy. Um, but uh, we're we're seeing, you know, I think this this rise of what I call the values-driven candidate. Uh, or the values-driven employee. And, you know, I use values in two senses. It's both their core values. You know, is it um, freedom, creativity, you know, working for a company with a bigger purpose, et cetera. But it's also in a kind of much simpler sense, what do they value? And are you as an employer supporting them in building a life that's aligned with their values? Or are you thwarting that? And I think we'll find that many employers um, that used to be able to just, you know, trade a paycheck for loyalty, will find that that's just that's just not enough anymore for most people. That's so true. That's tr so true. And, and on that vein of keeping employees happy and engaged, what do you think it's going to take in this climate to cultivate an engaged and productive workforce? Workforce, excuse me. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, first you, again, you've got to listen to your people to know what they want. I think we're seeing that companies are leaning into uh, increasing their benefits packages. Um, and again, it's not necessarily about looking at your competitor and, and just copying what they offer, but really listening to your workforce and understanding the benefits that are most meaningful and valuable to them. I think we're seeing, again, a lot of employers lean in to flexibility. Um, I think employers are just getting really smart as well about learning from people who are leaving through more detailed exit interviews and then recruiting boomerang employees to come back in many cases. You know, we're seeing the rise of the boomerang employee, which I don't think is surprising, right? Because um, we all as humans have a tendency to think the grass is greener on the other side. And I think the fact that job change has become easier 
in a remote world for many people um, has led to some of the elevated turnover. We've also seen, you know, some recruiters are very transparent. They're very honest about the realities of the jobs that they're recruiting people into, but other recruiters are not. And, you know, I think that um, we've certainly seen on the Muse that there's a cohort of employees who were, you know, drawn to a new job by promises of something that it turns out doesn't materialize. We call this phenomenon shift shock, sort of that, you know, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this podcast. Absolutely. What? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. So, so shift shock is sort of that, that oh shit moment when uh, an individual starts a new job and they realize that it is not what they expected. Now, sometimes that can be because the job responsibilities themselves are different. Sometimes it can be because the company culture is very different. Sometimes there are third, you know, sort of third party factors, like maybe uh, your boss or a key colleague leaves right around when you start. But regardless, this phenomenon, the shift shock, um, it's very widespread. We've seen that uh, 72% of the workforce has experienced it at some point or other. And we believe that it's on the rise in a digital world because it is harder to get a true sense of company culture through Zoom. Um, you know, even though yeah, I used to joke about how employers would bring candidates into their office pre-COVID and say, look, we have a ping pong table. This is our culture. Um, obviously, a ping pong table is not culture. I think we all know that. But the fact is that you can get a bit more of a sense uh, of a company's culture and work experience and employee experience by just physically being in the office than you can in a one-on-one -on -one Zoom with most people. And so I think the, the thoughtful companies are really getting specific about how they work and what sorts of you know behaviors are celebrated and what is you know uh, the the types of communication and interactions and expectations that employees you know should follow. Great companies are getting specific about that and they're communicating it proactively in the interview. They're not waiting for someone to ask questions. I think unfortunately a lot of employers have not done the work to articulate how work gets done, what their culture is like. And so they just interview someone for skills, bring them on board and kind of hope it all works out. And, um, you know, unfortunately, this is also, or actually I would say fortunately, we're also seeing that people are not staying in jobs that they don't love. You know, I don't know about you, but when I first, um, when I first entered the workforce, which is, gosh, 14, 15 years ago now, I, um, I remember very explicitly being told at my first job, once you start a job, you must stay for two years. If not, it's a black mark on your resume. You will never be hired again. That's at least you know the sense that I got. Um, and a lot of people today, especially young people, but I'm seeing it at all ages, all, all kind of generations, people are saying, no, thank you. If I start a job and it is not the right fit, I'm going to leave. And that means that I think a lot of employers who have spent time and money recruiting people in the last six to 12 months, but that haven't done a good job of communicating their culture, their work environment, what the employee can expect. I think a lot of those employers are going to see those people walk out the door and it's going to be really, really painful. Absolutely. And it will continue to be really, really painful as we've seen it uh, with millions of people in droves and 70, 70 excuse me, 72 percent, like you just mentioned. Uh, who are leaving as well. And of course, the phenomenon I'm sure you've heard about, which we're now reporting a lot about uh, with ghosting, employees ghosting uh, companies as well. So it's something. Yeah, it is. And you know, it's that one's such an interesting one for me because on one hand, I really, you know, I really don't think that 
it's respectful for an employee to ghost. And I think as you know, HR professionals and leaders, we should acknowledge that companies have been ghosting candidates for a very long time, very long time. Yes, it is so common for a job seeker to apply to a job and never hear back, to get a few rounds of interviews and then just never hear from the company again. That is also disrespectful. And so, you know, I I strongly stand against ghosting of any kind. I think that transparent direct communication is typically the way to go in relationships, in business, in life. Um, and so I hope that we can kind of all collectively agree to, you know, to ask more of both sides, to ask candidates to let an employer know if they're not going to move forward, if they're not going to take the job. But I think that also means that companies need to commit to communicating with candidates a little bit better than they often have in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> uh, we, we, you talked a lot about culture here. Uh, and of course, that plays a, a big role here uh, in people being happy. Like you said, people knowing what the job entails, um, but also you're at home in front of a computer, you're on Zoom, so you can't truly get a sense of culture. Where do you see corporate culture headed? Mm, I think that... Um... Corporate cultures are as distinct as the personalities of individuals. So I don't know that there's going to be a single archetype that dominates. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, corporate cultures are very, very much focused right now on supporting employees in and out of the workplace. So looking at caregiving responsibilities, which were really brought to the forefront of um of a lot of people's consciousness in, in the pandemic in 2020. I think corporate cultures um, obviously are focused on getting much more diverse, which often means moving away from, um, you know, interviewing based on, oh, like I could get a beer with that person and more towards really articulating and writing out, here are the attributes that we're looking for in team members um, and assessing whether people, you know, have those, have those attributes. I'm trying to think of what else. It's, this is a tough question for me because I really think, you know, we will see some corporate cultures that are very aggressive, fast moving, call people out, hyper direct conversation. Like, let's just like agree, sorry, disagree loudly and you know, come to thing. And that is going to be an acceptable and in fact, desirable path for some people. And if they have the right information, candidates that want that will gravitate towards cultures that provide that. You will see other cultures that are, you know, calmer. Um, perhaps they prioritize stability. They want everyone to have a chance to contribute and to collaborate. But perhaps there's a little bit less conflict. Sometimes, you know, people might soften their words to um, kind of not uh, hurt or offend colleagues. That is also a potential, you know, a very valid kind of type of group. Uh, organization. And, and, you know, those are two examples. I'm sure if we wanted to spend more time, we could think of 15 more just on that spectrum. Um, and then how many spectrums are there? So I think that it's going to be less about corporate culture uh, moving towards, you know, a singular mean and more about um, technologies and tools that allow companies to decide who they want to be, um, support their employees in whatever version, again, whether that's kind of tons of out in the open direct communication and no fear of conflict or something that might look the opposite, et cetera. Um, and then I think, again, you've got to communicate that externally because um, people are much more 
willing and able to deal with challenges that they opted into ahead of time. And make no mistake, every workplace, every culture has challenges. There are upsides and downsides to most attributes of group personality, human personality. So I think that, uh, that what we're going to see is more personalization. Obviously, I am a bit biased in this because part of what the Muse is trying to do is to help people search for jobs that align with their preferences. And by the way, that can start with something as simple as, you know, someone on the Muse doing a job search for a company with uh, paternity leave or tuition reimbursement or fertility benefits. But I hope in the future that it can get much, much more um, kind of nuanced and really help people find the sort of team environment that they're looking for. Absolutely. Beautifully said, beautifully said, Catherine. I, I, I was about to ask you, because I know initially you said this was a bit of a tough question to ask. I'm sorry, answer. I'm too excited. But I was going to repurpose the question to say, where would you personally like to see corporate culture headed? Ooh, yeah. You know, I, I certainly want to see corporate culture um, offer more flexibility, you know, less ego, more listening. Uh, I think that uh, the companies that are just, you know, I, I when I think about my team at The Muse, I go into my role every day knowing that everyone who works at The Muse is a really talented person who could work somewhere else. And I appreciate that they chose to work here because they believe in the mission, because they like their teammates. teammates. Um, and again, you know, we're not perfect, but I think that there's a respect and a responsibility that leaders have when they say, you could go somewhere else, but you're here. And so we're going to work together to, you know, to create not only great outcomes for the business, but a great experience doing it. And so one of the things I would love to see is corporate leaders from, you know, the C-suite through every member of the HR team, you know, just bring that same attitude and approach to their work. You know, you could be somewhere else, but you're not, you choose to be here. And so let's partner. And I think it's a far cry from the attitude that a lot of us, you know, have experienced at businesses in our career where people feel like we're lucky to have jobs. I was told in one of my early jobs, there's a line of people waiting out the door to take your place. So you better be grateful. And you know, what a, what a fucked up way to think about it. I think. Um, and I just, you know, I, I think that um, while there are some uncomfortable things happening to hiring and to employee management in this new world where, where employees and talent has a lot of the power, I think it's ultimately a really good thing because I think it'll push us as leaders to deliver better experiences. Um, and, and I'd like to think that you know, we would all benefit from living in a world where leaders are more uh, open, you know, where where both sides treat the other with respect. Um, I'm certainly an optimist, and I, I don't think that everything's going to be roses uh, overnight. But I do think there's a lot of room for workplaces to move in that direction, and I'm really excited to see it happen and to support it through what we're building on the Muse. My final question for you is my favorite question here, a million dollar question. What's on your heart? Ooh. You know, I think, um, gosh, what's on my heart? Obviously, this is a momentous week in politics. So I have uh, really been thinking a lot about the leaked uh, draft of the Supreme Court decision um, and what that is going to mean for so many people. 
and also how to communicate my um, feelings on it to a lot of family members who come at this issue from a very different perspective. Um, but I think, you know, are maybe missing a big part of the story. So that has been really heavy uh, for me this week. Um, you know, and then how do I show up for my team in times when the world um, outside of the workplace is demanding a lot of emotion and attention? Um, I've been reading a lot. I'm a you know, just absolutely voracious reader, 30 to 35 books a year, a combination of nonfiction and fiction. So I'm about to finish um, a beautiful book and uh, deciding which one to pick up next. So I don't know, it's a sprinkling of what's on my heart. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Catherine. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add or talk about? No, I think this has been a great conversation. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure, Catherine. To our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Again, I'm Bianca Heron. Join us next time at the table. And as always, we'll have your seat waiting for you. <laughs>